let's see if I'm only streaming at 1080p, if that will help the bit rate dilemma. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of the modern world. Let me move this over this way. <laughs> and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is May 23rd. <laughs> I have to look to make sure because I've got a great show for you this week. That's right. And the devil's advocate, is there room for patriotism in a Satanist? Question mark? In the Infernal Informant, one article sent over to me by an audience member. Thank you so much. Disturbing and reckless, retired brass spread election lie in attack on Biden Democrats. And we're going to close it out. I can't believe I haven't talked about this before. And I actually searched my website to see, to make sure, because after a decade, you must have. But no, it doesn't seem like I have. We're going to talk about the film Easy Rider, just for a little bit, just for a bit of fun. And I do think all of the uh, topics... Th I don't know what that is. That's like a molding thing. They all mesh together. We'll see at the end. We'll see if it meshes together. William, good to see you. Thanks for joining live. Stephanie, oh, it's great to see you. It's been a little bit. Sean, howdy, duty to you. Ashworth, great to see you. Thanks for joining live. Fareed, what's up? And anyone else who joins us after the fact, I know it's early. It's early on a Sunday. Who wants to sit down and watch a stream when they could go do anything else, literally anything? So I don't fault you for watching this after the fact. But for those of you live, appreciate you. <laughs> Is that weird? Like the, the wink? I can't tell. When I was a kid, old men would wink at me. And I thought that was weird because they'd say something, you know, there's like a conversation between adults and then they'd turn to the kid and wink at the kid as if to tell the kids I said something funny or clever or jokey. But the winking at a child as an adult really sends a wrong signal because I just thought it was super creepy. You know, I was like, Ooh, what are you winking at me for? I thought you did that to people you liked that you like, like you liked <laughs> as kids would say that you like, like. Know what I mean? It's weird. So I don't know. What do you guys think about the, the winking? Marcy, good to see you again. Okay. couple things. Um, the high priest's birthday is coming up, people. I don't know if you knew that, but it is. Um, it's tomorrow. So I had to look at my calendar just to make sure. Uh, so if you want to tell a happy birthday to... Uh, very uh, fantastic human being. I highly recommend you do so. And tomorrow would be the day to do it. Okay, uh, I just got back from last night visiting my parents and my kids' grandparents for the first time in over a year. And let me just be the first to say, I enjoy the distance of me separating from my parents. I, I like having a one to two times a year interaction. But because of last year being the way it was, it did really feel kind of good to, you know, remind myself of why I like such a large separation from them. My parents, 
will literally have two screaming conversations because they're trying to talk over each other, but they don't want to concede that the other person gets to have their conversation. So there will be two concurrent screaming conversations directed at one person, and that's either me or my wife, all the time, the whole time we're there. It is the most bizarre, crazy experience because you... You, you can't just look at one of them because the other is literally talking to you here. So you have to sort of jump back and forth and try to keep pace between the two conversations. And sometimes it's the exact same conversation that they're having, but they're not acknowledging that the other one is actually being a participant. It's, it's like crazy. That's my parents. Crazy. It is, Sean. It is a massive headache. But that's where I come from. <laughs> Maybe that explains a few things about me. Um, it, it was it was a, it was a straight up nightmare, but I now remember like it was nice to give them a hug and to see them and ha you know have lunch with them and stuff. <sighs> let's let's have another pandemic before we get back together. <laughs> just just a small one, a mini pandemic. Sweet hell, people. <laughs> it was rough. Um, yeah, so I I had two other live shows this morning. And so I thought, if I'm already going to be doing two, I might as well just throw nine cents in here as well so that I can have my entire day to do what I want to do. And what I want to do is work in my garden. Usually Mother's Day is the time where we go out and actually plant everything and get everything going because that's usually, excuse me, that was weird, uh, when the last frost hits. This season, and really our seasonality in, in gardening, uh, it's all changed. It's different, and I don't really understand it anymore. We've had a couple frost days, um, where not, not literal frost, but just where it gets so cold that plants would die that are trying to grow, um, since Mother's Day this year. And so we haven't felt comfortable putting any plants in the ground yet. Meanwhile, our um, uh, artichoke plants are thriving. My hops are coming out of the ground really well. Our roses are starting to bloom. So the ground cover that we have and our, all of our tulips and flowers in the front yard, the hyacinth and stuff, they're, they're, they're all growing. The chives are going great. Um, it's just, for some reason, new planting, like established plants are doing fine. New plants are dying off. So um, that's today. That's our mission for today is to get plants, put them in the ground and start our garden proper. We have to do it. We're already watering our lawn. Everything else is going off. We've got to get off our tuchus and do it. And the thing is, is, we took last year off, and now getting back into it means I have to do, stop doing all the stuff that I was doing before, whether that's reading a book or whether that's um, doing some sort of content for you know online or, or my own fun. I have to put all that on hold so that I can go work in the yard again. And getting back into that habit is a bit of a pain. Next week will be a normal time for nine cents and stuff, but today I've got to spend some time outside. Got to. You still have parsley and some other things you need to plant in your yard. Parsley will, it'll stay there and, and keep growing and stuff. It's, if you can get it established, you'll be good. Typical New England conversation, the loudest person wins. <laughs> that's, that's weird. That's all I'll say. It was funny, I was watching um, Army of the Dead, which I just did a review on, and there, no, it wasn't Army of the Dead. It was uh, a horror film that we were watching on Shudder last night. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, there was a, a scene that immediately made me think of a show topic. 
I was like, oh, I wish I would have thought of this before because I would have done that for today rather than what I'm going to be talking about, even though it wouldn't have made much more sense. But that's how my mind works. Like, I'll just be watching something. I'll see a scene of a forest and suddenly I'll, you know, pause the movie and I'll just call out Siri, take a note. And I'll just run, ramble on for a little bit and have my next episode idea. <laughs> that's, that's how it works, people. That's how the uh, magic is made, I guess. Random chaotic thoughts or inspiration for shows. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be next week, though. All right. Let's do this. Should we do it? You have a groundhog that lives under the neighbor's shed that eats stuff in your yard? Set out traps or end its life. That's how I feel. If it's coming up, I don't care if it's the cutest bunny. If it's coming in my garden, I'm putting it down. I'll try to do it so it saves its life. But my vegetables are mine, bitch. <laughs> you hop somewhere else. That's why I see it. Let's do Devil's Advocate. throw an image up on the screen really quick and we're going to have a conversation yeah lex you got a uh, lexi you got a um, double feature today a satanic matinee double feature uh and if you like star wars you got a triple feature but you have to like star wars for that okay i want to talk a little bit about patriotism not for the sake of patriotism but in the context of being a satanist because on the surface, the two don't really seem like they should mesh at all. And it's certainly not that any Satanist should ever be patriotic about whatever country they happen to be a member of. Um, but for some, it does come up and it is a question. Can, can you be a Satanist and still be a patriot? So I want to talk about the definition really quick of what patriotism is. And then we're going to kind of get into it and we'll, we're going to close with a comment from uh, the late... Uh, founder and high priest, uh, Magus Anton Zander LeVay. So uh, patriotism in Webster's is defined as love for or devotion to one's country. And that's it. Love for or devotion to your country. So here's the question. Does being an individual exclude you from being able to love your country, which is the conglomerate of other individuals? is sort of the framework for how you can exist in a society, right? In, unless you're just going to live in the woods, and that's something entirely different. So Satanism is an individual who is primarily focused on themselves in their own personal lives and goals, not the lives of their countrymen and women. So is there a difference? And does being a patriot mean you have to be a blind patriot? And I think everyone knows the answer. It's... Um, sort of a ridiculous notion to bring about, and yet some people actually think that that's, that's what it means. Um, so what does being a patriot mean within this context of being a Satanist? Um, it means that it's all about self-interest. You're looking beyond yourself in order to look after yourself. It's acknowledging that you belong to a society 
you are participating in that society and you're going to do what you can in order to put yourself in the best position in that society. It's not this altruistic love for founding fathers. It's not this altruistic love for your fellow citizens or doing what's right and just. It's your Satanist. It's self-serving, but you can still be connected. Uh, how do the ideals of your country reflect your own? And this is something that you have to ask yourself. And let's be honest, most of them will not reflect your own ideals. That's just the reality of it. And the only way you're going to get around that fact is to leave your country and then try to find some other country that does reflect your own ideals. So because Satanists run the gamut of socio-political issues, you're going to find moments where some legislation or legislators or ideas are going to line up with some of, you know, your own purported um, uh, uh, championed ideas, but often not. You're just not. And that's the reality of it. And here's the other side of that. As a Satanist, this, our, this thing of ours is only for the elite. No, normal people can't handle personal responsibility. What you're seeing all around the world about all these triggered SJWs and trying to change the culture and all these conservatives trying to bring back this old age of bigotry and, and ignorance, neither of those two things mesh with personal responsibility. It's about living in fantasy worlds. And so a Satanist, an individual, cannot fall on either of those lanes wholly. You know, maybe some of the ideas from one or the other or some ideas from both are going to connect with you. And that's really the reality of, of most Satanists. But you just can't be one or the other. And so how do you influence the country or, or how do you ensure that the country that you are a patriot to still associates you with being a meaningful part of that country? And the only way that you can do that is by participating. That's it. That's your only option. If you don't participate, then you don't have a say. If you don't have a say, that's not a very satanic perspective to have because you're literally letting other people dictate your life. Being a Satanist means you're taking control of your life. It's an A and B, black and white, on and off issue. Now, I know some Satanists don't because a comedian said it was a stupid idea. Okay, well, you're a fucking idiot. That's you. Um, how do I benefit from being a part of that system. It's ensuring that parts of your ideas that you find important are being represented in that system. And sometimes that means that you're going to have to stand up and take more responsibility on your shoulders. And sometimes that means you step back and help other people, either through support in one form or another, or um, you know, ensuring that they have a platform um, by spreading their ideas. Uh, and then how can you ensure that, that the benefit continues and possibly expands? Because let's be honest. Every law that we have, no matter how much you personally love it or hate it, is a law that was created by other people. So all of these rights that we claim to have, free speech, guns, uh, assembly, they're all given to you by the government. If you were not in that society, then you would just naturally have them and you could naturally do whatever you want. But because you're in that society, those rights that you hold on so dearly to were granted to you. Hence, they can be taken away by that same government. 
And the only way that you can maintain those rights is to be an active participant and lobby for them. That's it. That's the only option you get. You either contribute or you do not. Um, and the only way that you can expand your individual rights, not for the sake of everyone in harmony and love and peace and acceptance and progressiveness, but for yourself. The only way that you can maintain that it's okay to be a Satanist, it's okay to be a public Satanist if that's your choice, and you're not going to be demonized and thrown in the streets or kicked out of town or have you know canceled online. The only way you do that is by ensuring on an individual level that free speech, freedom of religion, personal rights are maintained and expanded on. That's through legislation. That's through representation. That means you have to engage in the political system of your government. Again, black and white. That's the only chance you get. Otherwise, you're just hoping, oh, I hope someone else does it for me. How pathetic is that? Patriotism as a Satanist is not blind, but confrontational. Right? It's not just going along with what the people in power in your country say. It's about taking a hard look at your country and saying, I don't agree with the majority of what you're doing. I don't think it's patriotic to focus on other countries and, and install new dictators or, or, or new forms of government in other countries while our own country is suffering so much. I think we should focus on ourselves. And then if someone else wants to go worry about everyone else, well, that's fine. You know, do your thing. But let's focus at home first. And the truth is we're not doing that. We haven't done that for a very long time, if ever. You know, maybe arguably at the early founding of our country, we were very, very selfish and centric, but that changed very quickly. So we have to be open and honest, and that means criticizing the government. That means standing up to them rather than just openly allowing them to uh, steal all of our data. Raise your voice against it. Support those that are putting legislation on the table to stop it. Don't go along with the silencing of citizens and uh, government employees who are trying to tell the citizen populace that the government is breaking the law and stealing and using your data. Support them because they are literally letting you know that the government is breaking their own laws to your detriment. Don't go along with the narrative that the media or your conservative party or your liberal party is going to project. Think for a second. All right. Always look for ways to benefit yourself. Take advantage of systems in place. I never understood why so many Satanists were so shitty about um, the idea of welfare or government systems helping other people. You know, you're supposed to stand on your own. You're a Satanist. Right, but the systems are there, so why would I not want to take advantage of systems that are going to give me money? That's like, yeah, I'm an independent Satanist. I, I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I stand on my own two feet. But if I go and serve in the military, I'm going to take advantage of the VA after I'm out. I'm going to take advantage of the military, of the GI Bill when I get out. Every system that is available for the citizenry as a Satanist, why would you not want to take advantage of that? It's stupid not to. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you a Satanist that takes advantage of situations. And that is rational self-interest. 
Um, the only reason not to would be if you cared about a greater society. And yes, some Satanists do, but I don't. I care about me. How do I protect and preserve me? Um, so yeah, I will definitely take care of systems and government. For sure, 100%. Stand up to the collective if you are comfortable doing so in order to have your will be done. And that's really you know the bottom line of what it means to be a patriot and a Satanist. You need to exercise your will. The only way to do that is to engage. You need to stand up. If you can't for some reason, stand up or stand behind someone who is standing up and support them. If you want to. Again, there's no mandate. There's no collectivist thinking. There's no group anything. Every individual Satanist has their own individual perspectives on where they want to see their country go. And they should support those ends. You know, in as much as they're comfortable. I don't want anyone to think that there's some social mandate because there's not. This is an individual thing that if you want to exercise your will, which is what Satanism is, then do so in, in government. Do not fall prey to other patriots' fanaticism and blind worship. Um, we're about to go into a really lengthy article about military members spreading lies and controversy about the current administration. It's nothing new. It's happened in every administration, and it will continue to happen in every administration. But as a Satanist, rather than just saying, hey, I agree with them politically, all of their lies are true. No, how about you do a little bit of digging? Look for the uncomfortable third side, which means you're going to have to look at some other non-echo um, um, chamber content in order to find that third side. But only a rational thinking adult is going to do that. If you're just, you know, one of the many sheep out there, then you'll just stay in your political party's corner and just cover your eyes and just agree and parrot back everything that everyone on that side says. To sum up, uh, and so this is uh, a statement from Anton LaVey. Uh, and this is from 1971 from one of his columns in Letters from the Devil. So I'm going to read through this and then we'll just sort of close out this this section here. To sum up our political doctrine, Satanism is Americanism in its purest form, with only the outdated moral codes altered to fit the times, and with recognition of the fact that only if man's most basic instincts are satisfied can a nation receive his best. When it becomes common knowledge that we do not advocate or even approve of denial of or desecration of such sacred American traditions as home, family, patriotism, personal pride, etc., but instead champion these things, our one-time opponents in the establishment will not have a leg to stand on. Actually, in order of the vast numbers of religious leaders defending and expounding the extreme liberal philosophy of the hippie or drug culture, conservative organizations will and already do find Satanism far more compatible with their doctrines than they now think it to be. I feel rather sorry for, but I must admit, amused by, the poor old dyed-in-the-wool conservative who considers the flag and God to be inseparable institutions because the new Christianity is composed of the drug-befuddled wretches they find totally reprehensible. It looks as though one is going to be forced to choose between God and the flag, or else become part of a dying society. I realize most would think me far too optimistic, but I can still simply see the change coming. 
I think back just five short years ago when I formally founded the church. How many theologians were admitting to the irrationality and inconsistencies of their religion? Practically none. And one, uh, once the stern, unyielding Christian churches have admitted their errors, they might as well admit to defeat. It is in young people, such as yourselves, proud walkers of the left-hand path, whom I place my faith for the future on this our fair land. America shall indeed have a bright future, once she has weathered the storm of these two opposing factions who respectively hate and love her, but would see her torn asunder in order to prove their respective points. Love for one's country must be shown in much the same way as love for another person. We must be able to see her faults and work towards changing them without robbing her of all pride and dignity in the process. On the other hand, we must not blindly accept her faults and constantly make excuses for her, for that is not love, it's infatuation. <laughs> I got nothing to add. All right, so what do you guys have to say? I see a bunch of comments that are being stopped from being released for some reason. Let's see. Uh, rabbits do nothing but just... Oh, you guys are talking about that still. You always love the physical land in the U.S. You think it's one of the most wonderful, diverse landscapes. Besides that, there's a couple ideals and a couple people here I like. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Voting is being patriotic. I agree. It's hard to love a country which puts the Bible at the same place as the Constitution, but that's the people. You got to remember, you got to be able to separate that. That's the people. The country is freedom from religion. So that's why it's so important to vote, to get those religious zealots out. Um, uh, you don't think the authors of the Constitution meant for it to become a holy level that the Bible is. That came from years of blind patriotism. That came in the 50s, the 1950s. In God We Trust, that's the 1950s on our money. Um, that was a communist scare moment that caused it. That's not what the founders intended at all. The subdivision you live in is patriotic for you. They go around and put little American flags in everyone's front lawn every summer. Oh, that's cute. I think that's hollow personally, but it's cute. It's Americana quiche, you know, small town. Uh, as long as helping others does something for you and yours as well, then go for it. You have no ma make, um, you've had to make use of government programs when you were laid off, which you had no say in. I think, I mean, it's practical. It's pragmatic. That's what we are. That's what we do. Uh, I did the same thing right out of the military when I was um, full-time in college and uh, working part-time at a, a coffee shop in a Barnes and Nobles. Um, we had to take advantage of, of government programs before I started getting money in because it does take a little bit of time. And uh, I'm not ashamed of it. It helped me get back to a position of zero and then I started working from there and then we got off them. It was that simple. I would have been screwed if those programs weren't in place. Uh, every Satanist projecting and preserving themselves will in return be collecting benefits for the society, hence saving or saying the change begins with you. Yeah, we've been paying into those systems all of our working lives. So hell yes, you're going to take advantage of them. Yeah, absolutely. Shit, the army aged your body 20 years ahead of its time. Damn right. I'm using those VA benefits. Yeah, Mike. Thanks for your service. Absolutely. Um, Knox, that guy is a Buddhist. So now nobody cares. Ooh, I don't know what you guys are talking about there. Okay, so let's do a little bit of Infernal Informant.
I can't blame you, dog. I can't. If you can't, if you don't have room for it, that's that's fine too. <laughs> Every Satanist needs to do what's best for them, you know. All right, disturbing and reckless. Retired brass spread election lie on attack of Biden, in attack on Biden and Democrats. This is from Politico.com. A day after 124 retired generals and admirals released a letter spreading the lie that President Joe Biden stole the election, current and former military officials are speaking out, calling the missive a dangerous new sign of the military being dragged into the trenches of partisan warfare. The open letter on Monday formed a group calling itself Flag Officers for America, advancing the false conspiracy theory that the president's vote was rigged in Biden's favor and warned that the nation is, quote, in deep peril from a full-blown assault on our constitutional rights. Under a Democrat Congress and the current administration, they write, our country has taken a hard left turn towards socialism <laughs> and a Marxist form of tyrannical government, which must be countered now by electional, uh, electing congressional and presidential candidates who will always act to defend our constitutional republic. The broadside also raises questions about the mental and physical condition of the commander-in-chief and sounds the alarm about a host of hot-button issues such as the border wall. It goes on to accuse congressional leaders of using the U.S. military as political pawns with thousands of troops deployed around the U.S. Capitol building. The group's website claims that we are in a fight for our survival as a constitutional republic like no other time since our founding in 1776. Okay, first of all, conservatives love to just take the founding fathers and just have them cream all over their faces and just rub it in. They love that so much. There's nothing better to them than the founding father pearl necklace. And they love to spread it around on other people too. First of all, the founding fathers were flawed humans that did not agree with your conservative perspectives. They have letters proving it. <laughs> just, you can't ignore that fact. And so uh, that's just number one. Number two, why do people think just because you're in the military, that means you're a good person or a smart person or someone of some significance or opinion? You're just another dude. Whether you're an officer or an enlisted who served their whole lives or just one term, you're just a person. It doesn't give you extra political understanding of your government because you served. It just means you were trained in tactics of war. That's it. So why any civilian would look at a letter like this full of half-truths at best and outright lies at worst, think that that's somehow authoritative because it came from some officers is beyond me. As news of the letter spread, it set off a round of recriminations among new and former military members. One serving naval officer who did not want to be identified publicly called it disturbing and reckless. Jim Golby, an expert in civilian military relations, called it a shameful effort to use their rank and military's reputation for such a gross and blatant partisan attack. While a retired Air Force colonel who teaches cadets at the Air Force Academy, Mary Beth Ulrich, labeled it as anti-democratic. I think it hurts the military and by extension, hurts the country, said retired Admiral Mike Mullen, a former chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, describing as replete with right-wing Republican talking points. The talking points in the letter fall generally in line with diehard loyalists in Trump's orbit, who question the results of the election despite the fact that the courts and Trump's own Justice Department said that there was no reason to declare him the winner. Several experts said it reminded them of the current crisis in 
civilian military relations in France, where dozens of retired generals were recently sanctioned after warning in an open letter in a right-wing magazine of civil war for the protection of our civilizational values. The letter was followed up by an anonymous one from current officers calling French politicians cowards for not dealing with the Muslim population, sparking calls for purge of the ranks. The controversy has undermined public confidence in the French military and recalled the bitter feuds between the brass and the elected officials during the early years of the Cold War. The American letter was striking for several reasons. It is not usual for retired officers to take sides in electoral politics and endorse candidates, but its fiery, even angry language and conspiracy-mongering struck multiple longtime observers as particularly out of bounds and dangerous. Coming outside the campaign season was also seen as rare, if not unprecedented. Notable signatories included Army Brigadier General Don Bullock, who is running for U.S. Senate in New Hampshire, retired Army Lieutenant General William Boykin, who stirred controversy for some of his anti-Muslim views and is now Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council, and retired Vice Admiral John Poindexter, who was the Deputy National Security Advisor for President Ronald Reagan and was convicted in the Iran-Contra affair. The letter, mostly signed by ex-military leaders who had been out of uniform for decades, was organized by retired Army Major General Joe Arbuckle, a Vietnam veteran who retired in 2000. Arbuckle, in response to questions from Politico, acknowledged in an email that the partisan nature of the effort is not normal, but defended it as necessary given what's at stake. Retired generals and admirals normally do not engage in political actions, he said, but the situation facing our nation today is dire, and we must speak out in order to be faithful to our oath to support and defend the Constitution of the U.S. against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We are facing threats greater than at any other time since our country was founded, Arbuckle added. Aside from China, many of these threats flow directly from policy positions and actions from our government. It is critical that the threats of our national security be brought to the attention of the American people that is the main purpose of the letter. To remain silent would be a dereliction of duty. But the missive alarmed fellow officers in the halls of the Pentagon and far-flung bases due to its strident tone and for using the stature of the nation's generals and admirals to spread misinformation. It also sent shockwaves through the community of experts who train military officers on the long tradition of the U.S. military staying above the political fray. That includes while in uniform, when they are prohibited from engaging in partisan politicking, and after they retire, when they have commonly kept their political views private in deference to that tradition and to safeguard the democratic principles of civilian control of the military. The Pentagon declined... Uh, I'm sorry. The Pentagon... <laughs> Pentagon declined through a spokesperson to comment on the letter, but others took, uh, clearly took notice. That was way worse than I was expecting, said Ulrich, a retired Air Force colonel who teaches civilian military relations at an Army War College and Air Force Academy. They are perpetuating the big lie about the election. I think it's outrageous. Some of it's very anti-democratic behavior. She said she plans to use the letter in her classes to demonstrate to young military officers the extent to which military's apolitical tradition has eroded in recent years and why that is dangerous. They are absolutely violating the norm to be apolitical, she added. They are uh, being used for partisan purposes. They are going against their constitutional oath. 
Both parties have increasingly relied on the endorsement of retired military leaders to lend credibility to their campaigns and support of their national security views. Both Biden and Trump boasted of long list of former military brass who were supporting their presidential bids, including some who served as official campaign advisors. In some specific cases, highly regarded retired officers have staked out singular political positions, such as when retired Army General Stanley McChrystal mounted a campaign against assault weapons, or when retired Navy Admiral William McRaven accused Trump in 2019 of endangering the Republic with his leadership. The growing practice has raised concerns about blurring the civilian-military divide and injecting politics into the armed forces. The politicization of the military is also seen by some experts as a possible contributing factor to an erosion of the military's standing among the public, as found in recent survey by the Ronald Reagan Institute. But the new attack on Biden and the Democrats is seen as in a class of its own. I've seen a lot of those letters, but this one is really something, said Golby, a senior fellow at the Clements Center for National Security at the University of Texas at Austin and an expert on civilian-military relations. We've seen isolated statements from retired generals and admirals like McChrystal or McRaven, but this statement is a first full-blown partisan attack from a large group of retired officers that is not explicitly tied to an election or specific issue. The tone is shocking, he added, especially because it targets the entire Democratic Party, implies the election was illegitimate, and contains a number of verifiable lies. Mullen also said the timing was unusual. Normally these kinds of things occur in an election, he said. It's out of cycle. The only positive sign, said Golby, is that most of the retired officers who signed this letter have been out of the military for almost two decades, and that no recent retirees joined this shameful effort to use their rank and the military's reputation for such a gross and blatant partisan attack. Mullen also pointed out that no retired four-star general, uh, four-stars signed it, and only a handful of three-stars. It's not very senior, he added. In our world, it's not very significant in terms of people. But others were less sanguine. Peter Favor, a scholar in civilian military relations at Duke University, who served on the National Security Council under President Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, called the letter an appalling breach of military professionalism and the norms on which democratic civil, civil military relations depends. For the first few decades after World War II, the French military had some of the worst civil military relations of any of the advanced industrial democracies, added Favor, a retired naval officer. They had a genuine coup attempt in 1961. Every military that coups or threatens to coup constructs a narrative in which the military is acting to save the country for something worse than military rule. Clearly, the authors are attempting to write that narrative. So look, um, at no point ever should we allow the military to rule our government. Period. And so using them as a basis of authority in civilian or government matters is conceding your right as a civilian over them. And that's the truth. That's the way it was built. The military is an organization controlled by civilians elected into office in order to protect and defend the country from foreign and domestic threats, not to take over political situations. And that's why it's so important to have the separation and not have military personnel speaking out about politics because they're not involved in it. They don't understand it. They understand conflict and that's it. Now you can make the argument that politics is nothing if not conflict, but it is civilian conflict. And you have to understand the difference. 
And you have to understand the difference if you're going to take any advice or refer to any military personnel's political opinions. They are skewed. Their entire industry, and it's a war industry that's controlling a lot of our government right now, is predicated on the continuation of conflict, not peace. I don't know any civilians that prefer conflict and war to peace. But that's what the military-industrial complex thrives on. So who do you want to be the spokesman for the people? Someone who wants to have them sent to be killed and kill others? Or someone to help build infrastructure and protect our own here? It seems logical to me, even though I know everyone has their own opinions and, you know, whatever. What do you guys have to say? It's so weird you went from Buddhist to... I don't know why we're getting this Buddhist stuff in here. Uh, let's see. Rear Admiral Jack me off. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Uh, a lot of these CS were in the COS, went to the Temple of Set. Man, you guys are just all over the board with your conversations. All right. I can respect that. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, when this was sent to me, it was under the guise of, hey, what do you think about this? Um, you know, military leaders giving their political opinions. Um, less than shit. That's what I think of it. Less than anything. I will never listen to a fellow soldier or veteran about their political opinions because that is not what they are paid to do. That is not what they've studied to do. Politicians, in some cases, and in the best of cases, are scholars. They have studied this. Politics, government, law, constitution. They've studied it. And so they actually know what they're talking about. In the same reason I wouldn't hire um, a truck driver to uh, work on my plumbing, I wouldn't hire a military professional to run civil government. It doesn't make sense. You're hiring the wrong man or woman for the wrong job, period. It's, it's literally that cut and dry for me. And they may have great ideas, and I do like sold veterans who turn into politicians, but you have to study politics. That has to be number one if you're going to be a politician and want my support. Period. That's why this whole new turn of actors wanting to become politicians. No. No, I'm sorry. You studied to play someone else. That's your profession, is acting like something or someone else. Not being a professional in government. You can't, you can't do that. Because you end up with shit, <laughs> shitty opinions and shitty run government. We just had a fucking horrible businessman, a failure of a businessman by all records, and a fucking, uh, well, <laughs> he's being uh, um, um, investigated on numerous crimes, uh, but also a failed actor who ran. You know, he ran his shitty little reality TV shows. And you saw the state of our government then. We had a fucking recession. A shitty uh, approach to dealing with um, uh, the pandemic. No. I want, a, I want a politician in office. I don't necessarily like this politician who's in office right now. But at least he's a professional politician and not a fucking failed actor and businessman. All right. Uh, the church is saying it's still here for the long term. What are you guys talking about? Yes, this is why we also can't afford our local police forces to become federalized. Oh, I totally agree with that. In France, 
two same military asshole wants to take the power. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about that to speak to it at all. Um, Brad says he totally agrees. Politics has become another stage for them to act like asses upon. Yeah, man. Good to see that, by the way. Um, yeah. And the truth is, you can be educated as a veteran or as a soldier. You can. The th problem is that most who speak out aren't. They're literally just parroting their conservative or progressive views, and that's it. As if their service alone should be what we should listen to them on. No. I will listen to you on strategy. I will listen to you on uh, 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 problem solving in combat. I will not listen to you on civilian controlled government because you don't understand it. It's out of your wheelhouse, period. All right, that's where I stand. Uh, Reagan did it. He also asked how, and he replied that he acted like a president. Reagan arguably was the beginning of um, corporate control of our government. So I can't, I can't jump on a bandwagon that says he did a great job when, he, you know, in his later senile years, he was literally being controlled by corporate interest. Um, and it completely shifted. And he brought this freaking conservative, you know, religious right into power in our government. So I can't agree with him there either. Um, I think Reagan nowadays cannot be heralded as a success by Republicans because they don't believe anything he stood for anymore. They have completely gone in a different direction. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a completely different direction than his version of a Republican Party. That, that time has, has long gone. Uh, I agree with you, Brad. Not in our time at all. I, I, I don't think we ever have. I don't know that we could. There's too much money in politics nowadays. There's just too much. Um, and so I... You know, we either have to break and then pick ourselves up from the ashes of that, or we have to completely get money out of politics altogether and allow individuals to be held accountable for their own actions. And I, I just don't see that happening, unfortunately. Um, okay, that being said, let's do a little creature feature and close this thing out. We've been talking for like three hours here. Peaceful. <laughs> that music. All right. I haven't had any drop frame rates, so maybe I just need to drop down to 1080p. I love me some Easy Rider. All right, Easy Rider. <clears throat> the log line is, two bikers head from L.A. to New Orleans through the open country and desert lands, and along the way they meet a man who bridges a countercultural gap of which they have been unaware. This is directed by Dennis Hopper, it is written by Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Terry Southern. It was released by Columbia Pictures in July 14, 1969. Um, it's cast as uh, Peter Fonda, who plays Wyatt. Dennis Hopper plays Billy. And the bridge between the cultural gaps, so to speak, that it references is Jack Nicholson playing uh, George Hansen. The budget was between 360000 and 400000 It pulled in $60 million in the box office. 
and it was considered a, a landmark countercultural film and a touchstone for a generation that captured the national imagination. Easy Rider, Easy Rider explores the societal landscapes, issues, and tensions towards adolescence in the United States during the 1960s, such as the rise of the hippie movement, drug use, and communal lifestyle. Real drugs were used in scenes showing the use of marijuana and other substances. Critics have praised the performances, directing, writing, soundtrack, and visuals, which I concur with 100%. Um, let's see. Uh, IMDb gives it a 7.3 out of 10, which I think is a travesty. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes has it at 83% fresh with an 82% audience score, which I still think is a tragedy. Um, Hopper, Fonda, and Southern were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay later on. Easy Rider was added to the Library of Congress National Film Registry in 1998. Um, and we won't talk about it, but there was a sequel that will be a stain on the memory of Easy Rider for all time. This... Um, this film is literally the portrait of how I perceive America and patriotism. And that is, <laughs> some of you are not going to like this. Prepare yourselves. Um, they start by making a massive drug deal. And then their plan is to live on the money results of that drug deal and just sort of see the road and just drive. And, you know, they have their, their motorcycles and their glorious and they just sort of take to the road and you get to see their experience interacting with other people on that journey through the south um and they're very la you know very sort of uh liberal individuals both of them are very contrasting to each other uh, one is much more acceptive of uh, other types than the other uh, and a lot more laid back fonda but it's the it's the juxtaposition of their background and experience with those that they engage with that really marks this film as Americana to me. Um, because we get to see um, Latin American farmhouse villas. We get to see Western uh, sort of cowboy farmers. We get to see hippies. Um, we get to see uh, conservative uh, Southern bigots and racists. And we get to see people who just live in those areas that just try to straddle that fence of, hey, I can accept other people for what they are, but I still need to live in this country, in this area. It's a fascinating film that is takes its time. So a modern sensibility, I don't know if you could handle it. I would challenge you to try. But you have to be able to just relax and enjoy the ride as if you're taking a long um, motorcycle tour. You have to just be able to relax and enjoy the ride. That's what this film is to me. It speaks to our American hatred for the other, for someone different than us, um, our tribalism. It speaks to um, the progressive human experience in accepting others on their own terms, even though you see things differently, something that seems to be lost in our modern culture. Um, it speaks to... <laughs> Here's something that I've never understood and I don't share. Um, my biggest complaint about hippies is not their philosophy. I don't care. That's not me. I'm not living that. But their lack of wanting to shower and their overuse of patchouli. Can we just stop with the patchouli already? I, th there's nothing worse than having some nature naturalist type, but you know, uh, outdoorsman type or hippie type dousing themselves to hide their own funk in patchouli. 
I hate it more than anything. Your philosophy sucks. Your patchouli is worse. Take a shower. You won't need it. It's that simple. Like, jump in the lake and rub around. Get some moss and scrub yourself. But stop with the patchouli. Sweet hell, it drives me. <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take it. I work with um, outdoor professionally with outdoor companies. And their employees, there's some of them that still use it as if they are fucking hippies on a commune. Ugh! <laughs> patchouli is worse than white-rimmed sunglasses. All of you assholes wearing white-rimmed sunglasses that think you're fucking cool. No, you look like assholes. And all you patchouli-wearing motherfuckers need to just take a goddamn shower. Can't handle it! Grandpa Adam says, get off my fucking lawn. Ugh. <laughs> Nox. Uh, I smell hippies. I mean, it's it tells you, you know, you know what you're dealing with right away when you smell it. But, oy vey. So, uh, <laughs> my point of this, um, it's, it speaks to the sense of, a, a, of a, the American spirit of adventure. They, they know where they're going. They want to get to Mardi Gras. They have a direction. They have a goal. But they're enjoying the experience along the way. Ultimately, if you haven't seen this film, I'm about to spoil it for you. Ultimately, so stop watching right now if you don't want it spoiled. But it's kind of on you because this is an old-ass film. Um, ultimately, they get murdered. At the very end, they are shot just by a bunch of fucking hillbillies. Not because they necessarily hated them, but simply because they're different. They're driving down the road. One of them grabbed a shotgun and killed them. And then backed up, drove forward, and killed the other. And that's the end of the movie. That's America. How shitty is that to admit? But that's the American culture that a lot of the conservatives share. If you're not like us, you don't, you don't deserve to live. We're going to enslave you. We're going to condemn you. We're going to run you out of the town. We're going to fucking lynch you. We're going to murder you. That is the conservative history of America. Like it or not. And so you can't, you can't witness stuff like that and tell someone like that, hey, that's going to trigger me. No, you need to grow up. You don't get triggered. You just either survive or not. Our, our current American sensibility is so fundamentally broken. Trying to stifle free speech and cancel people's uh, professions simply because you disagree. Or trying to rewrite history. Or trying to ignore the history that you don't like. That's not what this country has ever been about. It's about accepting our flaws, admitting them, and doing your best not to repeat them. Not putting your hands over your eyes and your fingers in your ears. I guess you have four hands in order to do that. So that you can't see the darkness that is our history. Own it! Celebrate that it's not like that anymore for the most part. But don't hide from it and then try to cancel people because of it. Because your delicate sensibilities cannot handle the truth. Grow the fuck up. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Grandpa Adam. Um, and I'm not trying to like... <laughs> I don't, I'm not even going to justify it. That's where I stand. Deal with it. Or don't. I don't care. 
Um, this is a great film. It, it's the music. Holy shit, the score. If you don't know 60s, late 60s, early 70s music and you want to explore it, this film is a great way to do so. It's brilliant. Uh, if you don't uh, love the America Southwest, watch this film. I think you're going to fall in love with it. Um, and if you've never tried weed, watch this film. You might want to try it afterward. <laughs> just saying. It's on you, but I'm just saying. Um, I love this this film so desperately much. I, I don't enjoy the end of it, but I recognize it for what it is, and I thought it was a brilliant way to end it. I mean, it, it's a perfect sort of statement on what the film was about. You know, we are the one thing that is stifling the American spirit. Americans. We're, we're our own worst enemies. If, if we truly want to live free, then we have to accept others as they are. And instead of focusing on shutting them down, focusing on ourselves and our own sense of joy. That's it. That's all it takes. It's literally that simple. Stop worrying about others and start worrying about yourself. But again, that takes responsibility, personal responsibility, and not everyone can handle that. Not everyone wants it. Unfortunately. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of all I had for this show. Very short, sweet, to the point of 57 minutes. <laughs> I guess it's not short and sweet. Um, hope you guys had a good time. Ah, no, that's the wrong, hitting wrong buttons. I'm out of my coffee. Um, let me know if you have any topics or ideas you would like me to explore, because I'm more than happy to explore them. Um, but I warn you, I may not agree with your position. So as long as you're comfortable with me disagreeing, um, or maybe agreeing, I don't know, uh, definitely send in your topic suggestions, because I'd love to hear what you have, uh, you'd like me to talk about. And for those of you who send me articles or send me ideas and stuff already and have for quite some time, I really appreciate your engagement and interaction. You know, you're the reason why I continue doing the show, literally. And for all of you joining in the live chat, disagreeing with each other and disagreeing with me, you're the reason why I do this show. That's literally it. If you guys want me to stop doing this, stop showing up and I'll stop. I promise. <laughs> All right. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Uh, if you uh, want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, check out churchofsatan.com. Read the Satanic Bible. Um, the new book uh, by Magistrate Blanche Barton is coming out here soon. I thought it was supposed to be out. I want to get my hands on a copy. I don't have one yet. I'm a little bummed about it, but it should be out soon. So as soon as it's out, check it out. It's going to be a good one. And of course, we have all of the other literature that's already existing to revisit. And that's the thing. Read your fiction and nonfiction. Enjoy your biographies. Uh, go explore all the literary foundations that you want to. Come back to the satanic philosophy because it will, it will resonate differently with you. It will connect and have different meanings. Study. And that's what it's all about, not worship. That's what Satanism is all about. Is all about. Okay. Uh, sign up for the email list if you want to learn about what I'm going to be doing and who I'm going to be doing it with. <laughs> Sounds a little dirty. And uh, yeah, like and subscribe to the channel. Thank you guys. Till next week. Hail Satan.